I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that comic book source material. A part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other wonderfully geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 280 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we help you evolve with your audience. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we discuss that new Mackie Mixer slash recorder Roadcaster Pro 2 competitor. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we run down a bunch of feedback, including a follow-up to my ongoing Roadcaster Pro 2 issues. Lauren, start the show now. This is Better Podcasting. We are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Welcome to the penultimate episode of season three of Better Podcasting. I am Steven, and I'm pleased to say that SP is here. In the house, it is exciting. <laughs> it is on the eve of the unofficial start of summer in the United States, and I am psyched for it. I'm also excited for this. This is our podcasting time. This is the time we get to talk about hobby podcasting. It's a passion that we both have, and I am just excited for this. Oh, is your May long weekend this coming weekend? Mine was last weekend, so we started early. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Gotta get a jump on things up there in Canardia. Hey, it is the penultimate episode of Better Podcasting Season 3. And so we wanted to just give you a few updates. It's a good time to give you a few different updates about the recording schedule and whatnot. So if you are somebody who is looking to skip over these updates, just look at the time codes and skip to the main segments. But let's start off with a recording update, because if you didn't know this, we stream this show live, usually on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern over at geeks.live. However, there's a bit of a change coming with that. We're going to be about 50 minutes later going forward. As of next episode, we are going to try going at 4.15 Pacific, 7.15 p.m. Eastern. And this is like 80% for Damien the DM because we do know that, you know, he gets off of work. And sometimes if we don't start a little bit later, it's hard for him to stream it. And it's a little bit because my schedule's got a bit of a change going on. And so I can't make the usual recording time going forward. So I'll take this one on myself, at least for that remaining, I don't know what I said, 80%, the remaining 20%. And I, I do have to say that um, this is a test. We're going to try this because we looked at a whole bunch of different options, different, day, different days, different uh, hour altogether, quite a bit later. And at the moment, we're just going to try this. We think we can make it work 15 minutes later, but it could evolve again for the rest of the summer. So for now, we're going to try 4.15 Pacific, 7.15 p.m. Eastern at Geeks.Live. That will be the new Wednesday streaming time. SP will definitely tell you if, if I can't make that because, hey, I'll be the one that will be showing up late. So he'll be in the chat room going, sorry, we're behind. 
Yeah, I thought we were going on Tuesday. So Wednesdays, yay! This will be all good. We'll be going on Wednesdays. And yeah, it's just 15 minutes. No big deal there. So for me, personally. But we'll see if if it's a, you know, a no-brainer for, uh, a a no-can-do for most of our audience, like nobody will show up on our live, then we might have to do something else. But it's only 15 minutes. It's not that big of a shift. And then also, let's just recap the recording schedule for you here, because next week is the season finale of season three of Better Podcasting. So after that, we will be doing the live chat edition. If you're not subscribed to that, head on over to betterpodcasting.com and find the subscription information over there, because through the summer, we'll be doing our live chat show, meaning that this show will hopefully come back for season four, starting on September 6th of a live stream, which that means that will be a recording of September 10th for the premiere of season four. So we just wanted to put that out now since it's the penultimate episode of season three of Better Podcasting. I don't know why I said it that way, SP. (laughs) I mean, I thought that was just going into the main topic there, so I was just going to let it go. But yeah, Better Podcasting coming back at you in September. That's actually... When you go back to the seasons of linear television, you know, the September time frame is when everything came back. So we're just, you know, going back to our roots as kids and like, yay, it's the premiere. <laughs> School's back in session. September, we get stuff going on. But we do have an actual segment to talk to everybody about. And it's about evolving your podcast with evolving your audience. Steven, you ready to talk about that one? All right, let's do that. This season of Better Podcasting, we've talked a lot about how various aspects to your podcast have to do with reaching your audience. Many of these concepts we've covered so far have centered around connecting with an audience that you have not reached before. But what about the audience that you have already? What happens if you have to reconnect with them? One of the reasons you may have to do this is if your podcast evolves and you want to bring your audience along for that, right? I mean, you already have them, might as well keep them. Since your audience has come to connect with you under one podcast premise, you may have to make an active effort to keep connecting with them as you evolve your podcast. And today we're going to talk about that, evolving your podcast with your audience. So let's go ahead and start by talking about some of the reasons that may come up with your podcast that you might need to pay special attention to your audience to maintain that connection as you go through an evolution with your podcast. Let's start off talking about major show shifts because this is something that often comes up with podcasts and it can be things like co-host changes or changing formats, maybe even changing the core content like rebranding or Maybe it's even to do with like releasing your schedule or how much you release, like an episode length change. It could be something like the feel or the tone change of your podcast. It could be a whole shift from being an audio centric podcast over to being a video centric podcast. Maybe you want to go and change the language altogether. That could very well happen depending on your audience and whether or not you're bilingual. Maybe this is going to be something to do with uh, changing from a lifestyle podcast to more produced, or maybe it's going to be something like a topic research focused episode 
over to something that's more interview based. So it's more free form. It could be something like changing from a hobby podcast over to something that's paywalled. Or it could be something like, you know, what everybody's talking about right now. And I'm pretty sure SP is actually set for myself, which is changing from an actual human hosted podcast over to an AI based podcast. I know he's waiting to replace me. Who says I haven't already? <laughs> Fair enough. Or maybe it's something like an actual play podcast slash audio drama story changing all together. So the, the core story is changing. These are all different things that might come up. And these are all things that have in common the idea that your audience is going to have come to expect one thing with your podcast. And now you're going to change it to be another way. And this might be breaking those expectations that your audience have for the podcast. And that could be a little bit jarring. Suddenly your audience can start to feel alienated. Not only that, but you might be in a situation where you're no longer meeting the needs that that listener has for your show. They might be coming there for something specific, and now you're no longer offering that specific thing to them. And if this is left unaddressed, this can actually lead to a longtime listener feeling like they don't even know the show they subscribe to. I've actually had a couple of shows that have changed so much. I'm like, whoa, this is not what I signed up for. And it's not something that I enjoy. So unsubscribe. So although it's important to put a little time into connecting with your potential audience, you should definitely pay attention to your existing audience as well. We think it's always important to show appreciation for your audience. They're taking time out of their day to listen to you and you should appreciate their time. We always do on all of my podcasts, but also this can help set the stage. If you ever need to go through a change that might negatively affect your audience, if somebody knows that they are appreciated, they might be a bit more forgiving down the road. This as an example, you go to a specific store all the time. They usually give you exceptional service every time you go, and they make you feel really warm and fuzzy when you go in. However, one time you go in and the experience is bad. They're short staffed, maybe a little curt too. It's not the experience you've come to know and expect from the store. Now, since you know the experience is different for the long haul, you may be a little bit more forgiving as opposed to going to a competing store that is always mediocre but you don't have that terrible one-time experience with. Hopefully, a similar moment of grace will be given by your audience if you undergo changes and you have given them a history of feeling appreciated. How do you do this? How do you make your audience feel appreciated? Well, you can involve them in your show where possible. Some shows don't always lend to shout-outs in episode, but... You can do it outside the show in methods like social media, show notes, emails, and you can give credit to their suggestions if possible. It shows you listen to the feedback you're receiving and makes them feel heard. That's very important in customer service. Encourage them to connect with you in social media, email, etc. That is going always great to go that back and forth. We've had that episode a few episodes ago. But if you're going to go through a change, Show appreciation for your support up to that point. For example, addressing the impact you may think it is on the audience and acknowledge a possible parting of ways. We did this when we ended Better Podcasting Season 1 and we went into hiatus. We knew 
that some of our audience would not be returning. So we showed appreciation to that audience at that time. Hopefully everybody came back, but if case they didn't, at least we showed appreciation up to that point. Let's get into some specifics though. We won't go through all of our above mentioned potential reasons you may need to evolve your podcast, but we'll go through some of the ones we have experience with that we think can be common. Give your audience a heads up where possible. If your audience feels included in the change, it can help them know how much you appreciate them. This could be any of the examples we gave or others. If you decide to make a change with your podcast, the odds are you don't need to give yourself a warning. So this announcement is purely for your audience's benefit. I don't know. I like to give myself warnings all the time before I sit down and podcast with you. And it's it's not that's not a slam against you. It's just that I'm never prepared for your amazing looks and your handsomeness there, SP. I have to give myself a warning. This is going to, you know, knock my ego down a little bit. No, I tried my best today because my hair is all frazzled and everything. So you didn't have to worry <laughs> about that too much today. Okay, so let's get back on topic here. The reality is that giving your audience a warning may not always be possible, especially as hobby podcasters. A lot of things randomly come up because it's our hobby that we're doing. Sometimes episodes may need to be canceled or co-hosts may drop without any notice, or maybe suddenly you do have to actually go on hiatus for an unexpected reason. In these situations, try to at least give some form of explanation to your audience within the comfort of whatever you are discussing. And that last part we think is really important. So we want to really expand on that, which is that you need to make sure you are explaining only within your comfort. You don't owe your audience a transparent look inside of your life. And sometimes things get canceled or changed with your podcast for very personal reasons. The reality is that you don't owe your audience a specific explanation about that and make sure you appreciate that for yourself because once it's out there, it's out there. But if you are able to give something vague, that can be beneficial. At least something vague lets the audience know that you're at least thinking about them. So you might not be willing to share the specifics, but at least acknowledging something vague tells everybody that you know that they're recognizing that this thing, this change has happened. We've all seen podcast pod fade before with no notice. And as listeners who listen to these pod faded podcasts, suddenly we're left wondering what happened. We even begin to sometimes resent investing time into listening to that podcast when things have just been dropped with no notice or any acknowledgement whatsoever. So if you're able to at least acknowledge this change, this can at least curb some of those negative feelings, at least hopefully. If you do have to end your show, sticking the landing will help your audience feel the time that they invested in the show was time well spent because you're at least acknowledging that the show is ending and you're not leaving them high and dry and saying, hey, we don't really care about you because that's what most people are probably going to take away if you just suddenly drop it without any notice. And if it's not appropriate to give any reason at all, which can happen, at least address the elephant in the room and just comment on the change itself. You know that they know that they know that you know, or, you know, something like that. Peace. It can also be beneficial to acknowledge any impact you know the audience will feel. For example, say you have a co-host leave that you know regularly gets direct feedback about the show. You can extrapolate that this co-host is connecting with some listeners just by the feedback. 
you could acknowledge that you know some listeners will miss that person. Or let's say you do a live show, but you are going to a more recorded type of produced format. If people are regularly showing up to watch you live stream, you can anticipate the experience will change for these listeners or viewers. Or if you're going to totally switch subject matter, you can guess some listeners will have issues adapting to the change because they might not care about the subject matter that you're going to cover. It tells the audience you're in touch with them and not ignoring their feelings if you connect with their feelings about the change. But another way to bring the audience along for the evolution, encourage them to tell you about their thoughts on the change. Yes, you probably already are encouraging feedback on some level, but there's a big difference between general feedback on your show and feedback dedicated to a possible change with your show. We think that encouraging feedback specifically about the change can help the audience feel more involved with the change of the show. And don't get stagnant with your audience engagement. In our experience, sometimes it can be easy to fall into the pattern of things that you are comfortable with, and that includes how you connect with your audience. So when you have a situation like making changes with your podcast, it's a good opportunity to look at the method of engagement and decide if changes can be made. Is there a new way to interact? For example, in the early days of better podcasting, there was a lot of email. Now we connect with our audience specifically on our Discord server and through social media. So you may try to ask for your audience thoughts about this outside of your podcast. And in some of these places, that's uh, where you get the most engagement at the time that you're making the change. Another thing that you might consider, though, is doing a possible preview or like a tease of the upcoming changes. This can not only be a great way to promote your show, it can also be a way to provide a preview teaser trailer that engages your audience and maybe lets them in on the sort of inside ball of the change that's coming. If you're going to be debuting a new segment, maybe you can go ahead and debut it somehow as a tease or a preview to see how the audience responds. We did this a few episodes back when we ended up publishing the all-new Hobby Podcaster Profile, which, by the way, you should definitely go back and listen to. And if you're interested in being a part of that, you should get in touch with us. But we did that. We put that out there and looked to see how the audience responded. And uh, the audience for our audience quite liked that. But you can do this with a whole bunch of different ideas as well. Like if you're going to completely revamp your show, maybe you can tease this or, or uh, preview this to your audience ahead of time and get some feedback and that might help you actually craft that final change a little bit more that connects with that audience that you've already got. You also can take a look to see what sort of segments resonate with your audience and which ones don't. So if you've got an idea for a few different possible segments or changes within your podcast that are like a segment, maybe you can preview these leading up to the eventual selection of one if you've got the time over a longer burn and see which one gets more audience interaction. You also can do a segment or a show preview in your RSS feed. This is another way you can handle it. Instead of putting out a full episode, maybe you add an extra episode in there that is a tease or a preview. This would be extra content for your listeners, 
but it also helps highlight the change by having an entire episode that centers around the change. Or maybe it could just be as simple as a tease in your show. You're not necessarily going to give all the details. You're going to just tease that something's going to come that helps smoothen that transition for your listeners. Plus, who doesn't like a good tease anyways? I personally like it when SP teases me. I love that. In fact, sometimes the, when it's late at night, I phone him up. It's, it's overnight. I'm dark and I ask SP to tease me. This happens all the time. No, that doesn't happen all the time. But last episode, I did a tease at the end of the episode, and I said I will have a very important personal announcement, which we will get to later in the show. That was a tease. It wasn't a change in the show, though, but that was just an example of a tease. This lets your audience know that something is coming to prepare them for the change, not to mention they might listen to the episode sooner after it's published with the tease if you set it up right. They're anticipating it, and they want to hear what is going on with the podcast in terms of the change. Now, perhaps a process of gradual transition will help the audience adapt with the changes one at a time versus a single rip the bandaid off moment with the entire show. I'll give an example that I've observed personally. I haven't actually talked to the cast hosts for this, but the Cantina cast, which is a Star Wars podcast, had a major pivot in 2023. However, they did not do it all at once. Cantina Cast has been making several softer transitions throughout 2023. First, they transitioned their Discord server away from their former podcast network and made it exclusive to their show, Cantina Cast. And then Albert and Jonesy picked up a new co host. Hi, Lauren. No, 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 not my Lauren on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is a different Lauren, a Lauren on the Cantina Cast podcast. Then the crew brought a new formatted episode into the mix so they could just talk news. And this episode format is called The Waystation. Furthermore, they took their Discord community 100% Patreon supported. Now, none of these changes were made all at once, but rather over the course of months. And in the end, it was a lot of change. The show looks very differently than it looked in 2022, but it didn't seem like too much change until you look back at everything that had changed. And I was listing everything out here for the show notes. I was like, oh my gosh, that's actually a huge change. But they didn't do it all at once. They did it like one change every month. So over the course of five months, they really revamped what they've got going on over there. So that is an example of a gradual change. I also listened to a show that had a long-time co-host leave a couple of years ago now. The remaining pair of co-hosts went on to the show without a third host for a year before filling in the seats just this past week with two new co-hosts. So they transitioned from a three-hosted show to a two-person hosted show, and now they're at a four-person hosted show. Now, this may be too long of a gradual change to just be considered one change, but it was gradual enough that when the new co-host came on board, all the listeners were excited about it rather than thinking they were direct replacements for the original third co-host, which a lot of the listeners actually enjoyed. So there was not a direct comparison or a, oh my gosh, we, we want him back and we don't care about the new people. It was general excitement about having the new co-host there. It was a good thing to do, but 
in the end, is it really a gradual change or was it like two different changes because it was over a year between the two changes? Now, the next thing we want to throw out there is the idea of keeping some consistency in some level of the show to help keep the audience grounded to what the show once was. This could be something like an intro or an outro staying the same while a whole bunch of other things change within the show. Or maybe it's just a matter of you're going to change the whole format of your show or a whole bunch of things, but you can manage to keep some segment that you previously had. Or if you're doing something like an audio drama or a playthrough, maybe you're able to keep a single character from the old story. If you're going to go through and make a bunch of changes to your, your podcast, maybe you can keep the same sort of sounds or bumpers or audio elements that you had that offers that familiarity. Or the style of delivery could possibly stay the same in certain parts while the rest of the show kind of changes around it. That, again, gives you a little bit of familiar, familiarity for your audience. These things help keep the audience still identifying with the show, and it keeps them in mind that, you, that they have come to expect a certain type of way that your show will be. Remember a couple episodes back on episode 277 where we talked about branding? Yeah, that's the same idea where you're going to help keep something there to keep the show identified to the way that it once was. You could also go and highlight the benefits of the change. Why will it be better for your audience? It's one thing to state to your audience why it would be better, but it's another thing to state it in a manner that does include them in there. Typically, audiences don't like change just for the change sake. So if you do help pitch the benefit that includes the benefit to them, it does hopefully keep people in a little bit more of an accepting frame of mind to that change and hopefully will get them to actually understand the benefit to that change. So make sure you are helping highlight those benefits to the audience, at least from your perspective, because you won't know for sure until you go through and make that change happen. Sometimes people have a different thought that you didn't anticipate altogether. And the last thing we want to talk about is patience. Now, I'm not patient, so I will turn this over to SP. <laughs> He's not at all. <laughs> you, you need to be patient with your audience. It's important to recognize that not all of them are going to accept the change, but some will need time to adjust and adapt to show modifications. No matter what you do or say, some of your audience will find it difficult to accept your changes at first, especially if you've been doing your podcast for a while, say years. Be understanding of this human factor of human nature. Taking your audience through the change will be a difficult process, but one that could be well worth it. And recognizing your audience may be resistant helps connect with them. And if somebody cannot accept the change, just make sure you wish them well before you make the change. We talked about this before. This could be the last time you get to speak to them on your show. And we have an example that's near to us. It's not us, but you may recall us mentioned that fellow Gunna Geek podcaster Cody Gaw and his co-host Ashley Hamer, they were award-winning podcasts who used to be part of the Curiosity Daily podcast. Unfortunately, they didn't get to keep doing that show. And when they found out about it, they had that chance to say goodbye to the Curiosity Daily audience. Even though there were some episodes left to be released after that announcement, a lot of the audience stopped listening to the show immediately. If they had waited for that final goodbye for later after the announcement was made, they may never had been able to say that goodbye. 
sticking the landing, I've said this before, is important, even if it's at the end for a listener, but not for you. You'll never know when your audience will come back and see you again for your future endeavors. Sticking the landing on this endeavor will maybe open the door for them to come to a future endeavor. So how do you do the superhero landing with a microphone in your hand, SP? That's what you mean by sticking the landing, right? Yeah, well, you have to make sure it's not the hand that's touching the ground because the hand could mistakenly touch the ground and then you could maybe dent the grill of the microphone and then mm. you get the rust of mic. Oh, we don't want that. No, it's got to be the hand that's up, not the one that's down. So we'd like to know your thoughts about all of this. Have you ever made a big change to your podcast where you've actively considered how to maintain your audience engagement? We'd like to know what successes did you have while you were trying that? Maybe what failures did you have as well? What might you do a little bit different? We would like to know how did you try to do that? Get in touch with us through any of the different ways. You can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com. You can find all of our contact information on betterpodcasting.com slash contact, or you can go ahead and tease SP because he's teased you all episode. Oh, by the way, while you're thinking about all this feedback, why don't you go ahead and tell us what your thoughts are about what next week's topic is going to be? That's the season finale where this has been two seasons in the making because we are going to do an episode all about returning from a break or a hiatus. This is the Better Podcasting Download. This past week, we had something really exciting happening in the podcast space. We have another mixer recorder to add to the mix. Mackie DLZ Creator Adaptive Digital Mixer for podcasting and streaming was released. And this is using the Onyx 80 microphone preamps. It's got a 10-inch screen on it. So it's it's on the bigger side. It does <laughs> it does have the Mackie build quality with it. I haven't actually used it yet or seen it. And I don't know about its longevity. But it's a little light on the DSP. It does have some processing on board, like a noise gate. And the preamps are pretty good with the Onyx 80 microphone preamps. It does have this thing called Automix, which de-emphasizes people that are not talking and emphasizing the person, the main person that is talking. That sounds like it would be a nightmare if you were doing multi-track editing later. So I have my thoughts about it. I know some live people would like it or people that don't use multi-track. They just want to use the final track. So for that, it works good, but I don't edit like that. So I have my thoughts about that. And it's, it's, well, it's big. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I, it's bigger than the Rodecaster Pro 2. And at first I was like, oh, I love that screen. But then everybody that I was talking to said, well, it's big and it's expensive. It's $799, which is way more. It's like $150 more expensive than the Rodecaster Pro 2. And as far as the size, I'm looking at my Rodecaster Pro 2 on my desk. And I like that size. It fits on my desk. And if you add in the bigger Mackie DLZ, I don't know if I have the desk space for it. So huh? even though I like big screens because I'm old and my vision isn't once what it was, I, I, I just don't have space for it. And I don't know if it's necessary to be that big, to be honest with you. If you have 
mixer recorders like the Tascam MixCast 4, the Rodecaster Pro, the Rodecaster Pro 2, and the Zoom P8 L8, it's all in that class. Those are smaller and it's not large. So I am excited that Mackie joined the fray into the mixer recorder realm. I am very excited about that. I was actually waiting for it and I thought it was never going to happen. So the fact that it happened, I'm excited about. I'm just not excited about it for hobby podcasters because I think it's out of the realm of most budgets. I think the Roadcaster Pro 2 is out of the realm for most budget. So for hobby podcasters anyway. So yes, excited, but eh, capabilities and price are leaning me towards eh, maybe most people might not want to do it. Now, we'll talk about it later, but the issues that I've had with the Roadcaster Pro 2 just that alone might make me think, well, maybe I will spend the extra $150 to get something that's better, question mark, because I don't know about its longevity or its issues that it may or may not have with firmware. But we'll see. Uh, it hasn't been out in the field yet. You have a couple of lucky reviewers that have gotten free. I want to emphasize this. They've gotten free devices from Mackie. So take that. For what it's worth, when you view their reviews, they have gotten free devices from Mackie and they have reviewed it. So <laughs> your mileage may vary. And I'll call a spade a spade here, which is that uh, we saw huge bias with the original Rodecaster Pro 1. At least that's our opinion of it. We saw a lot of YouTubers get free gear and many of them were not calling out the things that people who actually bought it was. and um, I get it was a really exciting product at the time, but I think it really highlighted that's how how that whole free aspect can actually buy some grace that people don't necessarily need. And and I will say that I think that that the critiques that were out for that were uh, validated by the fact that Rode did eventually put firmwares to address a lot of those things. So I think that uh, with this year, you're right. Your mileage may vary. P pay attention to that, and and it can have a bit of a slant for this. Now, with all of that said. I struggle to see where this fits in. I think I think it fits in maybe primarily to the people who want that tried and true name or tried what however you that saying is. I, I think people want that that na Mackie name. They've come to know it and they think that they can maybe they've they've got a little bit of goodwill from having that with a bunch of people, per perhaps musicians who are very familiar with the Mackie name. And so maybe they'd be more likely to pick this up for, for that reason alone. It does seem like it's lacking some features. I do wonder, have they done anything software-based like this before? I don't know a lot about the Mackie line of different things. And I'm curious, is this a new area for them? Because if it is a new area for them, I'd be curious about what their firmware update process would be long-term. We saw that before with some other mixers before where firmware updates have been not so fast. And if this is somebody's first foray into software, then yeah, that might be more likely leaning that way. But I guess we'll see. I'm not sure. It's it's definitely not for me with the size of that screen. I'm not interested on that alone. It's too much desk space as well. I just want to have more features. Uh, that That's what I personally would see. But we'll see. Time will tell. I'd like to see people 
just do an app, do a program instead. I'd rather have full program control myself, like through a, like a Windows or a Mac program on my computer, since my device is often plugged in USB. But maybe one day I'll get that on something. I, I'm, I know the, Zoo, the Zoom L20 had something like that. A lot of the audio interfaces are controllable via software now, especially the higher end ones. So that has existed for a long time. As far as the use case for this, I could see it being used out in the field on a desk in a conference room where you have no computers and that bigger screen actually helps you control the audio a little bit better without a computer. But but, and, uh, but I, I'm going to question that though. Like, what are you doing on that where you need that other than a pre-setup? Because it's not like it's a full digital thing where you're going and you're going and adjusting levels on the screen on the fly. No, normally it's a setup thing. So I'm not sure. I, I don't know that you need it other than a set, like an initial setup thing. And then you're kind of forgetting. So I, well, if you have an experienced audio engineer that needs a bigger screen, i.e. older slash experienced audio engineer, that's where I was going to go is you have somebody that's used to the mixers a sound engineer versus the digital mixer recorders. And they like mixing on the fly a little bit better and they can ride those faders and they can see the results of those faders a little bit better with older eyes on the screen. So I can see a use case for this. It's more professional. I just don't think they're going to get the big hobbyist buy-in because of the price. If I'm going back and forth between the Mackie and the big size and the Roadcaster Pro 2 and potential issues. Well, most Roadcaster Pro 2s still work in the end. They might give you fits, but they still work. And if I'm going to save a little bit of money and I'm going to do it at home, I'm going to do that. Right. The Mixcast 4, kind of the same thing. There's issues with the Mixcast 4 that I don't like, but it's still a reasonable thing. And then if you're a true hobbyist, you're just going to go cheaper and you're going to go with the Zoom P8 because you're not going to be able to afford this big thing. And even the Rode Duo, the Rodecaster Duo that they have out there, that is excessively expensive for what it is, right? It needs to come down in price $100 or $200. Now, the bonus of this Mackie is it's going to drive a price war eventually where you're going to get lower prices on these higher end devices. So cool on that you have more of a choice and this it does bring competition in you have we we didn't have any of these devices a few years ago and now you have the zoom the Tascam, the roadcaster two roadcasters actually well three if you count the duo and you've got the mackie so that's awesome to have them all but yeah i'm probably not going to recommend the dlz to any hobby podcaster just because of those factors I need to see it in practice after the Roadcaster 2 situation. Um, I, I want to see it in practice with more people that I know using it before I could even recommend it. Uh, I agree, though, the competition is good. I think that is a good thing to have more competition. With that said, I, I will put a little pause on that because we saw that with things like the Tascam where they just didn't didn't come up to the level of the Roadcaster Pro. So it didn't really gnaw that much at Rode's ankles. Like, yeah, you got a little bit, but the consensus was that the Rodecaster Pro was just in general better for most people. And so same thing with the P8, you ended up having people comment about the lower um, 
I think it was bit a rate. bit rate and things like that. And so y- y- we'll see if this doesn't have enough features and people look at the Roadcaster Pro 2 and they go, look at all this, this DSP that's in here and the Mackie has nothing. I don't know if it, it will really put that much pressure on road, but we'll see. I, I still think any competition in the space is good. So let me make that clear. I think it is good. So we'll see how this goes long-term. I don't think either of us are planning on buying this and I don't think either of us have been contacted by Mackie to get a free one. It's just not going to happen for us. So we'll have to keep our ears to the ground to see how this moves in the space. And I hope it doesn't get canceled because I would really like another mixer around, but we'll see. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. Get in touch with us through any of the ways. You can come on over to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. We'd love to have you over there. And we would like to know as well, what is some of the fun podcast-related industry topics that you're enjoying? Let us know. Chat with us over there because that might make a future download. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. SP Hindenburg follow-up has happened by Damien. I don't know why I said it that way. Yeah, thank you very much, Damien. He said in our Discord server, fairness in criticism where it belongs. Hindi has really bungled the H2 launch. I upgraded on day one and it was failing to connect to their authentication server, so it couldn't actually do anything. That resolved itself and I was able to work on the next episode through the week had to reboot today for a weird Microsoft Office bug. And when I tried to get back to work, I'm just told the beta is over. Uh, this wasn't the beta. It was the full version that worked fine the other day. It's interesting that Damien is coming up and he is being fair in his criticism about Hindenburg on a major issue that he had with the rollout. The rollout for Hindenburg version two has been atrocious. And I really hope they fix it because I do think they have a good product at the end of the day that is useful by a lot of people. It's just been so difficult. It's, it's, they didn't need to do this. This is like a video game that gets out there that hasn't been finished and, oh, we'll patch it when it releases day one. Well, this didn't even work this time. Yeah, this is sort of what I was referring to a few weeks ago where I was saying that um, this seems like something they should have been able to anticipate as the activation. Um, But, you know, I guess situations do come up. It felt to me like maybe they're like, we committed to a day and we will do that. And we slid on that day a little bit, but we were not going to go that far. So we'll see. Uh, You know, hopefully it'll all be worked out and they won't run into this again. Again, I'm I'm not following it very closely because it's just not something that personally I've got a use for, but I understand the people who really like it. And there's a lot of people that do really like it. And I, I'm sorry to hear this happen for the activation thing for them because that's disappointing when you're really excited about something and something like this happens. You know, it's it's kind of like someone coming in and raining on your parade about the product just because they don't have the pro- the use case for that product. And And it it takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah, first of all, Damien said he updates it that he he got it fixed again. So it is working or Hindenburg got it working. So there's that. 
But as, as far as using something or not using something that other people like, I'm going to use, for example, Descript. Descript, a lot of people enjoy because they don't have to edit on the waveform. They can actually just use the words to edit. And it does have a collaboration feature. So if you're do- working in a team, you can throw notes back and forth with each other and everything. But I did ask a couple of questions of Ashley when I was talking to her that make me pause on using Descript even in its form of editing the words rather than the waveforms. I asked if it can do multi-track editing via words. And this is important if you have overspeak, if you have multiple hosts, right? No, it cannot. And then I also asked how they're doing about the tonal change between words. Sometimes that um needs to be there in order to provide a space from one tone to another And if you get rid of that, um, you go from one sort of tone to a jarring other tone, either up or down, and it just doesn't work. So you got to throw that um back in. If you're editing via waveform, you can just put a space in there and sometimes that works, but sometimes that doesn't even work. So there are bonuses to using Descript. There are some negative things to using Descript, and that's just an example of it's a decent product for a lot of people. I'm just not going to use it. Hindenburg is a decent product. I'm just not going to use it. And I think that's what you're getting at, Stephen. Moving on, Roadcaster Pro 2 issues. Original Waffles in our Discord posted, you know, hearing about your experiences, meaning me, your experiences make me really not want to buy a Procaster. And I think he meant Roadcaster, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> he did. Rob from the Smoking and Drinking in Capes podcast said, no kidding, on the fence for the duo, now mandatory firmware update that can brick your system makes the decision harder. And Liberty Dude said, it seems it is better to wait a year for all the preview models being resold as new and refurbs get used up. All right, Stephen, after we recorded last week, I have a little story to share on the Roadcaster Pro 2. You ready for the story? Uh, I'm very ready to hear this story for the very first time. For the, well, it's from front to end, it'll be the very first time for you. So after we recorded last week, I used the Road Central software to transfer the file from my Roadcaster Pro 2 to the computer. And unfortunately, when I did so, it said, hey, firmware update is needed in order to make this transfer. I don't know why Rode does this because the transfer can be made. They're just forcing the firmware update at this point in time. So I'm like, okay, I've done this before. I'll make the firmware update. Now, it's not going to brick my machine. I'm not going to worry about that. I do the update and it starts to spool back up and it freezes. I'll leave it. It freezes. I leave it for a while. It freezes. They tell you not to shut off your machine, to let it do the update. So I'm like, I, if I shut it off, is this thing going to completely be wiped? That would suck. And I left it for a while. In the end, what I ended up doing is I took the SD card out. I transferred the file. So Steven had the file to begin editing immediately as he does every week, right after we get done recording for better podcasting. I make sure he, I get him the file. Absolutely immediately, he starts processing the file. And uh, so we can get the podcast out to you as soon as possible. So I I got that done, but it's still bricked and it's still sitting there. So finally, I tried to 
power it down and it won't. It is bricked. I use the, the power button, won't do a thing. I had to resort to unplugging it. I waited 15 seconds and I plugged it back in and thank goodness it finally came back. But I was so mad about that whole thing that I was, I just kind of shut down for podcasting for the rest of the night. I was like, nope, not going to do anything. It hasn't bricked since, but this is the second time on a firmware update that it has bricked that way for me. And they tell me going into the service and, and their blogs and, and stuff, they tell people not to hard reset when it's coming back from a firmware update. I've been lucky the last two times. I know at least one, possibly two people that it has not come back from being bricked. So I know this is a thing. So I'm always on edge when I do a mandatory firmware update when I'm trying to transfer instead of a self-initiated one. It's very aggravating to have a device, the capability and the cost of a Rodecaster Pro 2 on my desk being used in my workflow and being afraid of it being bricked by any firmware update. Yeah, this is the sort of thing that I was referring to earlier when I was saying I'd like to see the Mackie um, actual, I guess, use case or use by different people, because I, I don't think anybody would have anticipated this sort of experience that you've had with the Rodecaster Pro 2 based off the Rodecaster Pro 1. The Rodecaster Pro 1, yes, it had crappy preamps. Yes, it was lacking features on launch. Yes, there are other things that that were desired about it. But overall, it was a fairly stable experience. And then the, the RCP2 comes out and you have a whole different experience. You know, nobody would have anticipated that. And I think that's the same thing. You got to give pause to the Mackie. The Mackie is, is all, uh, you know, a good history of things. But until you actually see it in people's hands, you don't know what sort of things like this are going to come up. And I have to say, the fact that you've had so many issues with the Roadcaster Pro 2, which... The Roadcaster Pro 1 was the leader. It, it, was, it was at the top of the hill during, you know, the different competition um, at the time. It really just gives me pause. And, 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 I, and I hate seeing it because I know you really like the device when it works. I know that, that you spent a lot of money on it. I know that it was a big purchase for you. And I, I hate seeing you suffer like this, SP. I hate seeing myself suffer. I do enjoy the fact that I got rid of the big audio rack, that I do have the big monitor and I have the three big monitors in front of me. I do enjoy the, the setup now that I have this. At this point, because the Mackie came out and eh, don't think I'm going to get that for the size, Mixcast, hopefully Tascam came, comes out with a second one. I don't know. We'll see. That might be a possibility, but at this point, I'm waiting for the Rodecaster Pro 3. And even if I do, I'm like, I'm not going to have the same issues with the Rodecaster Pro 2. And it's going to be years before a 3 comes out. At least three years, maybe four years before we see a Rodecaster Pro 3. So that's why I'm excited about these other companies coming out with this sort of stuff. If Focusrite comes out with one, that'll be interesting. You know, if Apollo comes out with something that's a little lower priced than their usual stuff, that'll be interesting. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that, but I'm not looking forward to the streaming stuff. I want to be able to record like we do with podcasting and multi-track. I don't need the stream. I, I know a lot of people do, 
that's a whole other business category for all these people. The streamers out there, yeah. the gamers. We are technically streaming right now, but I'm still recording a podcast and I still want that multi-track recording. Streaming is often either not recording or not multi-track. So I want these multi-track mixer recorders. I just, there's not a perfect one out there right now. You know, but you might find though, as some more reviews come out, maybe the Mackie will be worth making a little room in, on your desk for it. You know, if you keep having these issues or maybe the Roadcaster Pro 2 will, will do a big firmware update and it'll just solve a lot of these issues that you're having. Maybe like, you know, there's so much software involved. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for USP. Looking forward to that. I mean, <laughs> it, it is a lot of software. I mean, it is it is a uh, Linux-based machine, right? So I don't know. We'll see. And the last thing we want to mention right now is in our Discord server. We had a bunch of people talking about PowerPress after our last episode. PowerPress, the conversation came up about that because we've talked a little bit about them lately, but then last episode... I made a comment about um, some of the updates that uh, have, have been happening and having a little bit of um, caution about, <laughs> about the future of PowerPress. And, and what I was getting at with that is the idea that the email thing that was mentioned last week, I think that was, who was that by? Is that by Jeremy? I think it was by Jeremy. And then also I've had multiple PowerPress updates where it's just broken my feed and I've had to go and done do a couple of things in order to get it back working again usually a rollback had that happen a couple of times but beside that putting that aside the whole conversation came up about well why don't you use something else essentially was the gist of it and i i give credit where credit's due i have not personally seen anything as feature rich as powerpress now there are some other things some other uh wordpress plugins that have come up to do with podcasting and we have a couple of people over in the Discord server going to check them out and whatnot. But every time that something's come up on my radar, whenever I've personally looked into it, people have been like, you can use this instead of PowerPress. I've gone and I've looked and been like, no, it doesn't do a good chunk of what PowerPress does. It's not to say it's not out there. I've just personally not really seen it yet. And so much of what I do is baked into PowerPress at the moment. So it'd be, unless there's a migration tool, a lot of work to try to, to get away from PowerPress. So I still, you know, with this whole security update thing we talked about, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, I do have faith in the updatability as far as ongoing basic maintenance goes with PowerPress. But, you know, I think it used to be a little smoother update experience, at least for myself personally. So we'll see. We will see what, ha what happens in the future. I always like seeing what other plugins out there anyways. I think, though, a lot has changed as far as the landscape of the way you can create websites, the way you can use your RSS feed, the way different media hosts support RSS feeds a little bit differently. Um, and what I mean by that is some people used to use PowerPress as a way to sort of split their feeds a little bit. And a lot of media hosts have, have sort of adopted dynamic RSS feeds to a degree where they're sending things. You, you can kind of pick and choose on some of the media hosts as far as where different things go, um, different taggings, sometimes, you know, reformatting it for a certain provider. We talked about that as well a little bit ago. So I think that PowerPress, unless you are, are using it to manage website content, I think as far as RSS feed generation goes, I think there's a lot of change now in the landscape uh, compared to even just five years ago. So I'm glad it's still around and still being supported. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anybody else has the financial uh, 
cause to develop anything like PowerPress. PowerPress is part of the raw media or blueberry company, uh, umbrella of companies. And part of their business uh, process is to own your own feed. And you do that by having your own website and having this feature rich plugin to uh, have your podcast or podcasts on theirs. Nobody else has that incentive to build something. And it's not, there's not like a huge monetization that can happen with it for a company that develops it. Yes, I, I know you can buy plugins, but I think the use case would be so small that it just wouldn't be worth it for anybody. So yeah, PowerPress is going to be it. And in my opinion, maybe somebody will prove me wrong. But I do think that things will evolve in the podcasting space that maybe it will be not necessary anymore. Maybe you'll have innovations with a podcast website that you just don't need the PowerPress plugin at that point. I think we're years away from that right now, but the podcasting space has been moving so fast over the last few years. It could be next month that we see something. I don't know. So if you have any experience with podcast plugins and it's not PowerPress, let us know what plugins are you using for WordPress? Get in touch with us through any of the ways or come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com forward slash Discord. And before we go, I will give a, a shout out to our live chat because we do record this live on Wednesdays at 4.15 p.m. Pacific time at www.geeks.live. We had Johnny Pennington, who, who has absolutely nailed it here. He has nailed what the solution is for you. What he said is that he knows you are salivating in anticipation for your favorite brand to come out with a podcasting rig SP, Behringer. That's what he, he knows. He nailed it. That's what you're waiting for. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll see. Mm. All right, Stephen, I teased something at the very end of last episode. And I thought I we were going to we... do it after the outro. Just make him go all the way to the end. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and I mentioned it earlier that I had a major announcement to make, and it does affect podcasting, but not in the way that everybody is thinking. We have been talking about taking December off just for family reasons and just to enjoy the season and everything as hobby podcasters. I think we're at that point where uh, the downloads are down in December. And while it's fun, we need to spend time with our, our families. Well, one thing in particular is happening to me this year outside of that, that might give me a couple more weeks that I'll need to take off. And that is my daughter is pregnant and she is due Thanksgiving week. Uh, the 26th of November is her actual due date. Who knows when the baby will be born? but late November. So that will be an additional reason why I will be taking some additional time off. I'm the grandparent. So you're like, okay, SP, I mean, you don't have the kid yourself. It's not like you're sedating up all night with the kid or anything. Well, they live literally three doors down. So we're going to be involved in the child and helping the parents out and stuff like that. So not having to do podcasting as much later on this year is definitely going to help with all of that. So it does affect podcasting, but it's also a personal thing. I am going to be a grandfather 
and Grandpa SP, you know, whatever you, I've, I've seen a lot of funny things out there for people that I've told, but yeah, that's the major announcement. I'm going to be a grandfather later on this year. Well, congratulations officially on this podcast because I've said it outside, but congratulations <laughs> officially on this podcast to you. I will say it and, you know, I'm going to include the, our audience. Congratulations on behalf of our audience who I know is thinking the same thing. And also, we do look forward to when the beard returns because my understanding is that as soon as you're a grandfather, beards instantly long, instantly white, instantly you got the whole grandpa vibes going on. That's my understanding of how it works with genetics. We, we have been on camera for years. I think everybody's seen my beard go from black to gray already. <laughs> so this is pre grandkids here. And also we have done a gender reveal. I'm not going to reveal the gender here because they are waiting uh, to do an official announcement, but I can say in the future what gender it is because there has been a reveal. They're not waiting for when the kid's born. So uh, there you go. There, There's the big announcement, Grandpa SP. So when do uh, when does Grandpa give uh, baby's first microphone? Because that's the other question I know is on everybody's my, mind. Uh, as soon as the kid starts to say its first words, then uh, we'll we'll be recording. Well, congrats, Gramps. Is that what we're going to call you now? I'm Steven. I'm here with Gramps. Is that what we're going to say? I mean, you're not that far behind me. I mean, you're your boys. I got, I got you know, time. I got time. Okay. You Lots got a of time. little time. Not that not as much time as you think. Yeah, that's the difference, though, is, is you know, I'll be sitting there and, and, you know, outside of the podcast, maybe on the podcast, I'll be like, oh, my podcast got ruined because I had to go deal with the kids. And you're going to be like, my podcast didn't get ruined because I just put the kid back to their mother. That, <laughs> that'll be the difference. <laughs> There's been, yeah, lots of difference there. Yeah. Anyway, it'll be fun. And uh, it, it is contributing to our hiatus later on this year. But uh, we are coming back. This is not the yeah. same of the hiatus that we had before. Uh, come January, we will be back. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for the penultimate episode of Better Podcasting Season 3. So for episode number 280 of Better Podcasting, I'm Steven saying come on back for the season finale of Better Podcasting next week. Oh, and come up with fun names for Grandpa SP. And I'm SP saying we hope you've enjoyed this season talking all about the audience for a hobby podcaster. Looking forward to talking about a hiatus next episode. We'll see everybody next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.